Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. And once again, we are broadcasting this episode from our home here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado, where we would love to have you come experience our wide open spaces and do some running or hiking or biking on our vast network of trails here in Gunnison and Crested Butte. Okay, today I am very happy to share with you my recent conversation with Jenny Brusso, who is the founder of Unlikely Hikers. Now, as you are about to see, if you don't know already, Jenny has truly started a movement, an important movement that has already been gaining steam fast. Personally, I truly believe that what Jenny has started here is going to really accelerate change in the outdoor industry, And again, the fact is, it already has. So if you want to understand what is going to be one of the most important evolutions in the near future of the outdoor industry, well, then listen up. And with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Jenny Brusso. Here we go. Well, Jenny, how are you today and where are you today? Today, I am a lot of things. I am mostly (laughs) fine. I'm also dealing with a lot of uh, personal family stuff that, you know, complicates how well I am. And that's just me being very honest. You know, I think when people ask how someone is doing a lot of times we want like a breezy positive response and I'm not saying that you do but that's just the truth that is where I'm at right now and I am speaking to you from Portland Oregon Portland Oregon is this home is this the home of family how much time are you spending in Portland these days I live in Portland but I also live part-time in San Diego, California, where I'm from. Yeah. Family stuff. I don't think you're alone, right? At all. Especially this year. Especially this year. In fact, how many people out there, if we pulled them would be like, oh yeah, I have no family issues of any sort going on (laughs) at all. Right? Like that's gotta be the minority position here. I would would think think so. Yes. Especially, you know, I'm I am newly middle-aged, I would say. And as you get older, family stuff starts happening, you know, like your parents start ailing and, you know, maybe even friends that you've known forever start going through, you know, really intense life stuff. And it's, it's just, it feels like turning a corner of something like, like I, I like I can't go back to my childhood, you know, but and that that sounds kind of sad and dour, but it, it's really not. You know, there's a lot of learning all of the time with, you know, with getting older. and and I am such a seeker in life. Um, so I'm fascinated by the turns of life. By the way, I think perhaps for, 
you and me both and people of, you know, even roughly approximately like our ages, when you talk about, you know, we sort of can't go back to our childhoods. I've just been thinking a lot and having a number of conversations about technology today, specifically social media today. And I imagine you're pretty up on quite a bit of this. We've, we've talked a number of times on various podcasts of ours about like this documentary, The Social Dilemma. And so when you're talking about your finding personally as, you know, as we're, as you yourself are getting older and we're dealing with aging and ailing parents, perhaps, I also just see more and more with the youth, this new set of challenges that young people are facing just given I guess we'll single out social media here. You know, I think I agree with you when you're like, you know, if we could just go back to being eight years old, those felt like some fairly simple times that I'm not sure is the same for any eight or nine or 10 year olds or teenagers today. Yes. I mean, I am, I'm 39 years old. So I am just kind of like wriggling my way into what I called earlier middle age. But mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I didn't grow up with social media, but it was a part of my young adulthood. So I didn't start really using social media till I was probably like 25, 26 years old. And I'm so grateful that I did not have that as a teenager, as a kid. I, I honestly can't imagine that sort of pressure to have this lens on yourself at such a young age. And I use social media a lot. Unlikely Hikers, my business, my outdoor community, my hiking group, you know, it's so many things is very much based on social media, or at least it kind of looks that way. A lot of the, the best parts of what we do are actually the in-person experiences. You know, so yeah, I'm on social media a lot and I am a very sensitive person and it, it it absolutely affects me a lot. I think we're supposed to sort of act like, you know, that we're above or, you know, stronger than the ways in which social media can kind of damage our self-esteem or get to us or it, you know, we're not supposed to talk about being addicted to it or obsessed with it. We're supposed to, I think in Amer American culture, we're always supposed to seem very in control of ourselves. And it's very vulnerable to not be in control of something like that. But I will say that social media is designed for us to be obsessed with it, to feel addicted to it. It's like, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said many times before, but, you know, it gives us these little dopamine rushes and we get dependent on them. And, you know, I, I'm so grateful that I have the experience of knowing what life was like without it. So I always have that to sort of compare to like anytime I have a feeling about the way social media is affecting me, I think about what it was like to not have it. And it, it's just interesting. Like I'm, like I said earlier, I'm such a seeker. So I'm really fascinated by the ways that we interact with it, but it is, 
I love social media. I love it, but I also understand how damaging it can be. And I think it could also make it a lot harder to really like see ourselves as fully formed human beings because we're putting ourselves constantly under a lens for other people to tell us who we are. I think it's really interesting and it really resonates with me when you say, I'm so glad that I I got to be, to paraphrase a little bit, I got to be a kid before social media without it. Man, I think that's a massive difference. And I, I haven't really framed it quite that way or thought of it that way, other than I have said, like, I'm sure I would not have been some 11, 12, 13-year-old who was adeptly handling the pervasive force that is social media. There's nothing about me that makes me think that I would have just aced that, you know? Same. Absolutely. (laughs) But like you, and like many, many, many things in life, right? Things can be put to good use or they can be really misused. I, I would submit alcohol. As one of those things. Some people have an a glass of wine can be a lovely part of the day. For other people, that can be an extremely damaging element, right? So obviously, just once again, we got to live nuanced lives. And we got to really figure out how, like, what is healthy for us. Mm -hmm. And it might be something that's totally fine for many millions of other folks, but it ain't right for us. True. And I would also add that sometimes it seems like it's okay for other people, but they're struggling with it too, even if you can't see it. Life is tricky, huh? It truly is. And I think that so much of social media, but also dominant culture, really, social media is very counterintuitive. It is I don't think we're really designed to hold that kind of space for constantly knowing about everything, knowing every little detail about somebody across the country who we don't know otherwise. I don't think our brains are really, are really designed to be so overwhelmed with information that we don't necessarily need to have. I think that's really interesting, and I think about it all the time. I mean, the way that with our phones, with our laptops, with social media, we now have access to more information at any given second than ever before. And we literally have access to like an infinite. It's a sea of information that we can't possibly take in, can't possibly take in at any point in time. And it's one of the things I think a lot about is just how on earth are we ever supposed to be able to focus, like truly focus on a single thing or a single person or a single interaction? And I really think maybe this is only me, but I really think this is an increasingly important part of my own life trying to think through and navigate those waters because a a common frustration of mine is that I feel like I I don't have that quote unquote freedom to focus you know whether it's just somebody at blister always needs something or you know a friend needs something or a stranger on social media is reaching out and needs something This is something I'd like to get a lot better at or more comfortable with, sort of the algorithm. And maybe it just means, yeah, it's called turn off all devices 
and be okay with that and and be able to read that book for two hours or write uninterrupted for two hours. And yet that literally to me somehow feels like I'm shirking a responsibility of some kind. It feels weirdly selfish, you know, like, sorry, you cannot reach me right now. What's going on here? Help me out here. It's a tool. Social media should be viewed as a tool. And to do the things that we need to do to better, you know, do all of our like businesses and some of our relating to uh, or communication with others for sure. But like the phone in terms of like a phone call, for example, which who really even talks on the phone anymore? You know, it, it comes to an end. You know when to use it, you put it away. But when it comes to social media, which I guess fair to say it's also on our phone, there's always something to check. So of course our brains want to know about the thing that might be happening. And it is definitely skewing our ability to really focus because at any given moment, I can think of a number of things that I will likely have notifications on. And that curiosity and also that deep-seated desire to connect that all humans have because we are social creatures by design. And I think social media companies really rely on that. You know, there's there's just always something that will affirm who we are, tell us who we are, also maybe give us a sense, but I'm going to say sometimes a false sense, not always, but sometimes a false sense of belonging, like where we belong in terms of our friendships, our businesses. Um, it's not all bad, but sometimes it does come in ways that aren't fully formed. Like people's applause of uh, on social media of the things that you do, it, it doesn't really mean that you are, you finally made it, you know, we're all we all have so many other things going on in our lives. And I think it can be kind of toxic to always focus on that positive reinforcement. Uh, I know it is for me, I'll speak for myself, you know, like, at any given time, I can go on social media and have people tell me how great I am. And, um, and, and they're not, I, I am a good person, but they don't really know me. They don't know the ins and outs. They're, they're, they're really, um, they, they don't really know me. And the, the same could be said for the negative feedback I get, which I also get a lot too on my social media platforms or when a brand I work with, uh, posts something about me, there'll be a lot of negative feedback too. And, you know, it's kind of like you have to learn to take it or leave it, whether it's the positive um, encouragement or the negative stuff. And it's, you know, even the positive stuff isn't really based on anyone actually really knowing who I am. So how much of that am I going to internalize and let it dictate, you know, how I move through the world? I guess that's what I was trying to say. You've mentioned it. Let's talk about it. Unlikely hikers. Tell me the origin story here. Unlikely Hikers has existed for almost five years now. It started 
I'm going to be completely honest. It's funny that we've talked about social media so much, but it really started as a way for me to like change my outdoorsy social media feeds. At the time, I had just started hiking about nine years ago and doing outdoorsy stuff and, and camping and, and backpacking and things like that. And it was, of course, something that I fell hard and fast in love with. And I really wanted community of other like-minded outdoors people. Um, but what I was seeing on, and, and of course I was, I was following every outdoorsy social media account I could and every brand and, you know, things like that. But something I was seeing over and over was a very narrow representation of who is outdoorsy. And it really started to get to me, you know, it was, it was always this image of like a young, very, you know, typical body type, um, you know, just like kind of, and I'm not, I'm not disparaging a person who fits all of these bills, but they were always, you know, usually a white young person, always in kind of a place that feels really far removed from, um, you know, like remote locations and things like that, that take a lot of, uh, time and resources to, to be in all of the time. And, it just wasn't very representative of my outdoors life or the outdoorsy lives that the people I know and love were living. You know, a lot of us were, our outdoor time was trying to make the time to get to a, a state park, a close by state park and hike for a few hours and then go back to you know, it's just not, not as, as like this exotic, you know, outdoor fantasy. That's what I, that's what I call it. This sort of outdoorsy fantasy that we're constantly seeing over and over. And we all like fantasy. So I'm not disparaging that. I want to see those remote places. I want to go to those remote places. And I've had the privilege of, of going to many of them, but I just wanted to see something that was a little more representative of your average everyday people of all races and genders and sexualities and body types. I wanted to just see actual, you know, everyday people getting outside, however is right for them. Um, and it, whether it's with their children or, you know, um, just like hanging out at the beach or whatever, I wanted to see I wanted to really feel the reverence of nature too within the this imagery and a lot of times in outdoorsy social media there is I, I feel like the reverence for nature is kind of removed um, unless we're talking about mountains um, which is another thing you know mountains are not accessible for for everybody um, as a place to recreate and yeah I wanted to see um, how people with disabilities were getting outside too. So I really started unlikely hikers to just kind of interrupt that that constant sort of one dimensional that's what I'll say one dimensional vision of the image of the outdoors person. And 
it turned out a lot of people felt that way because unlikely hikers blew up from its inception. And I had no understanding of how to make an outdoor community or a social media community become popular or Um, I didn't even really know what I wanted to do with it other than change my social media feeds, but it exploded um, and it's still exploding nearly five years later. The word that comes to mind in hearing you talk is there's, there's sort of a sameness, a sameness to the imagery. And, you know, it's really been like a rough, I don't know, 12 to 18 months, you know, like kind of as a as a globe, you know, we've all been dealing with the pandemic. Add on to that in this particular country of ours, you know, incredibly difficult stuff with respect to race and the like. And and yet I find myself optimistic. I don't think the world is getting worse. I think it's actually getting better. And what I, at least in this, well, I think actually in many regards, we we started this conversation with a lengthy discussion of how difficult the social media landscape might make things like trying to be a kid with a not a fully def, you know not a fully formed brain let alone for us adults trying to navigate that landscape and yet i think there is such a push toward a welcoming and toward an inclusivity and the work is not done by any stretch But I think just in hearing you talk about what's happened, what you've done yourself to this end in this particular space, in this particular walk of life, this is a very positive step in the right direction, right? Absolutely. And I feel like we're seeing people like you in very different walks doing similar things, expanding (laughs) – I'm thinking about stoicism a lot lately, and good old Seneca used to talk about this ethical, this sphere of ethical consideration. And I do feel like there are more and more people pushing those spheres of consideration, pushing for more representation, pushing ideas that we can enjoy an outdoor experience that doesn't involve having to hike Kilimanjaro. These are positive, like really positive things, right? And by the way, if it sounds like we were kind of bashing social media too much, social media is allowing these things, right? They're allowing you to do your work and expand that message. So again, lest anybody think that I was just trying to simply bash, first of all, it's silly to bash a technology. It's technologies are not good or bad in and of themselves. They are tools, as you have said, for us to use that we can use wisely or less wisely, right? Right. And yeah, it's a tool and it has so many positive attributes, but you know, anything that is, you know, used in moderation, like many things that we enjoy that can turn, you know? Um, And yeah, I mean, the work that I'm doing would not exist without social media. And and Unlikely Hikers isn't just a social media platform. It has become so many things. It is a, a hiking group. You know, I lead hikes all over the country, or rather I was, and hopefully I will be again soon. Um, and yeah, it's a 
a hiking group. We've started a podcast. It's we have so many in-person events and, and really it's because of social media that we've actually been able to take these relationships into the real world and connect in very real ways that, you know, that are, are, have become the heart of, of unlikely hikers. So yes, it started as a way to bust up my outdoorsy social media feed, but it became so much more than that. And the the in-person events, especially the group hikes, are really the heart of what we do. Where should people go to the best place to find you and learn more about everything that you got going on with Unlikely Hikers? Where's your preferred spot? We are most active on Instagram and the up-to-the-minute sort of updates about what Unlikely Hikers is up to are best found at Unlikely Hikers on Instagram. Also, our our email list, which you can find on my website, jennybrusso.com, uh, is the place to find out about the group hikes. There is no other place to find out how to join a group hike. So that's a very important information. And so say a word about the group hikes and how frequent they are and how that's kind of evolved. Well, up until March of 2020, we were leading group hikes two to three times a month, usually one in Portland, Oregon, or two in Portland, Oregon, because we also have a accessible hiking group as well. So we have our hiking group where we do sort of um, what could be seen as like low intensity hikes. But I mean, one one sort of little nuance I want to put on that is that what's low intensity for one person is not for another. So, um, you know, there are, are hikes where you know, most people can join and, and have a good time and, um, you know, maybe even be challenged. But uh, they're, they're our primary hiking group, these lower intensity hikes. Um, but then we also have our accessible hikes where they are, we go on trails that are wheelchair compatible. And, uh, you know, like, it's and and all of our other hikers come as well and it's just like a really good um you know a a a, a great experience for truly people of nearly all abilities to be able to join in community outdoors revere nature together and yeah take these relationships beyond social media in a real way a lasting way i mean so many of our hikers are returning hikers and Also, once and then once a month, I would travel to somewhere else in the U.S. to lead a hike. And that is always pretty random. I've led hikes in many of the big cities, but I also like to, you know, kind of go to the places that I think a lot of people think are not outdoorsy capitals of the world. And um, I really love seeing where people recreate where they're from. And and I want to know what people find beautiful where they're from. So we lead hikes. I've led hikes in the Midwest, in the South, you know, just like a lot of places that like don't get a whole lot of airtime on our outdoorsy social media. A lot of time it's, it's, it's all West coast with a little bit of, you know, maybe the Appalachian trail thrown in, (laughs) but 
a lot of what we see is very like Utah and westward. I'm very curious to ask just about some of the biggest takeaways, some of the biggest things you've sort of learned over the last five years from you know the creation of Unlikely Hikers, from these group hikes that you were doing, the people you've been meeting with. What are some of the biggest takeaways? One of the biggest takeaways that I have, and this goes, this has been shown to me by Unlikely Hikers, but it really, it's really also about myself as well, is that we all, I'm going to say all humans, we have an inherent connection to the natural world. And I think that the way daily life is, the busyness, the long, hard hours that so many of us work sort of has squashed our remembering of that, our intuition about what being outside can do for us. And many people also live in places where nature is less accessible. I'm so privileged to live in Portland, Oregon, where I'm surrounded by trees all of the time, even at home, and I can go drive 15 minutes and be in literal forests. Not everyone has that. In fact, a lot of people don't have that. Going out into forests and going to even a state park takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of resources to create that time. But what I have what I have learned is that we all have a story about nature and where we connect with it and what it does for our personal wellness, even if we're not totally in touch with it. You know, I used to say that I was an indoor kid or that I wasn't outdoorsy until the last nine years. And that's not true. That was a story that I had about myself. I have always had a relationship with nature from the time I was a little kid. And I think that a lot of us, if we just dig a little deep, we will be able to uncover similar stories as well. You know, I, I spent my weekends as a child, I lived in San Diego, California, and we spent our weekends at the beach and I would be in the water all day long. And my mom would have to get me out to eat food or put on sunscreen. And by the time we left, my lips were blue and I didn't care because being in the water felt so natural to me. I also really enjoyed, you know, helping my mom in the garden and growing food that we ate or just admiring flowers and bugs. And, you know, there was also the bombing hills on my bike or skateboard and rollerblading. And so I was outside a lot. But I think when we think about the concept of out what it means to be outdoorsy where we have such a narrow lens on that and you know in a sense i've been outdoorsy my entire life and i w- i really want to challenge people challenge is a strong word but i really want people to think about the ways in which they've always connected to nature and what it does for them and encourage them to find it where they can 
I want to ask you about plus size apparel and gear, because I know that you have been up to some stuff. I find this really interesting, and uh, the floor is yours. Talk about what you've been doing and what you've kind of been seeing in this space. When I started doing outdoorsy recreation, hiking, camping, uh, backpacking especially, nine years ago, there was hardly any plus size clothing and definitely not plus size gear. And I'm a plus size person. And I was, that was a, that was a barrier to access for me. And it was also this constant sort of message that I was not being considered by outdoor culture and brands and that I was not being seen as an outdoors person. I needed the gear and clothing to have the best adventures possible and also the safest adventures possible. I mean, having to cut a trip short because your clothing or backpack or sleeping bag interfere with the ways in which you could, you know, possibly have to do the thing that you intended to do it sucks. You know, I mean, I could say, I could say so much more about that, but, but point blank period, it sucks and it's sad. And I think that actually, I mean, doing unlikely hikers, I've heard so many stories of people trying to do something, finding, you know, that their gear, they can't zip up their freaking sleeping bag all the way. So they're cold every night. And then they just decide not to do these things anymore. And if I can be any part of not letting that happen to more people, I, I'm going to run with it and I am running with it. So I, since I started, I will say a lot of brands have started making plus size clothing and not many of them are making very technical clothing, but that's starting to happen too. And when I say technical clothing, I mean, clothing with, um, you know, like, uh, stuff for snow sports and, uh, you know, maybe pants that are beyond just like a a moisture wicking material, like things that are actually useful, big pockets, all of that. But I really just want to like say this and let it sink in. I want people to just like take a moment with it. There until now, there are no plus size backpacks, like backpacking backpacks. Many people can make a day pack work for them, but no plus size backpacking backpacks. And there is literally one plus size packable sleeping bag on the market. So there's just not a lot of options for us. And we're always a lot of plus size people, myself included, are having these make it work moments all of the time, which is great. In some ways, it's like we have to be innovative and, um, you know, hack the system, but we deserve to have the same gear and not have it be such a point of contention. And worse, possibly be something that keeps people from doing these adventures and, uh, you know, having these experiences that so many other people are getting to have. In the last few years, 
I have been really hard at work uh, consulting with many outdoor brands and working with many outdoor brands to create plus size gear that, you know, finally really takes the needs of the plus size consumer in mind. You know, it's not just upsizing current offerings. It's completely redesigning current offerings. And I, this year in January, 2021, uh, the Unlikely Hikers and Merrill collaboration came out. It is a hiking boot that comes in extended sizes and extended widths. And it is, you know, it's not a quote unquote plus size shoe. You know, anybody could wear this shoe, but it was available in sizes that are not super common. The women's sizes went up to a size 13. The men's went up to a 16. Um, and the, the wide width sold out immediately because there's such a need for them. And, um, uh, I keep, I'm talking about it in the past tense because these shoes sold out really fast. Uh, like I said, they came out only a few months ago. And I think to date, all that's available is like a women's size five and a half. Um, so the shoe sold out fast. It's been a screaming success. And it was a completely redesigned footbed, all of these things that just take the the needs of a plus size hiker or somebody who has a, a wide foot or an unusually shaped foot in mind. Um, I got a lot of comments about, uh, you know, it completely changing someone's hiking and backpacking game and like what's better than that. So that's something I've been working on. I've also been working with Gregory Packs on the first ever line of plus size backpacks. And that is coming out at the end of this month, May. Uh there are 14 packs from daytime to uh multi-day backpacking packs um, that are completely redesigned for plus size hikers from a size 2x to a 16x. And these bags, I mean, from the uh, the harnesses to the hip belts to the placement of the shoulder straps are just are completely re- innovated and designed and they are incredible and they're about to totally rock the the outdoor gear industry i can feel it um i know how they've leveled up my own adventures before i was using um you know i was using the the standard fit backpacks and making them work you know i could get them on and they were comfortable enough but they weren't very accessible like the um the placement of shoulder straps and um, the placement of hip belt pockets. You know, it was like I was almost dislocating my arm to be able to use one of the hip belt pockets, you know, or even having to take my pack all the way off to have a sip of water, which just isn't very, you know, it's not, it's, it, it just doesn't work very well. And, you know, I was still having the adventures I wanted to have, but now it's like, I feel I feel like I'm capable of even more now. Like I can dream even bigger than the adventures that I've had because now I have the gear to really make it work, you know? 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad you went into some of those details because I'm sitting here and could imagine a listener being like, what are you talking about? Like, just pick the volume size of your pack. Do you want a 10 liter pack? Do you want a 35 liter pack? And it's like, no, man, it's, it's the positioning of the harness mm-hmm. or the size of the hip belt. Those are the details that some folks just, it might not be on their radar whatsoever. Absolutely. So I, I love the detail you just went into to just prime the pump for thinking about, and you mentioned like snow sports apparel. And then someone could be like, all right, well, someone who doesn't look exactly like me, maybe whoever's listening or thinking that, it's like, what might be some of the challenges if you weren't a traditional size medium or something then how would this affect your time out? And at what point would you just be like, you know what, screw this? Well, I'm going to say, I don't want to get elaborate on that too much. Um, But, you know, if you can't ski or snowboard in a pair of snow pants or be able to use ski boots, which is one of the things that many, many plus size people cannot just make work, you know, because they have to actually close to be able to move correctly. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a total barrier to access, you know, um, a lot of times brands up until this point have been mitigating some of these issues with like backpacks by using a, or sending a, um, like an extender, like a just extra webbing with a clip, you know, but it's still it, you know, you can get it on and everything, but it's still making everything totally inaccessible. And it, it I, I mean, really, let's be real. The, it, it, you internalize the message, or many people will internalize the message that they don't belong because the gear isn't made for them or with them in mind. And there's these really shoddy fix-it moments by adding extra webbing to a belt and, you know, we deserve to have the the gear that will work for us, you know, and it should be accessible and it shouldn't be seen as special and cost more. And um, I'm really proud of Gregory for redesigning all of these packs, not just adding more webbing onto their, their packs. Like I do know of some other brands that are coming out with quote unquote plus size gear that is really just like bigger waistbands. Um, and you know, that's great. That's another option, but Gregory has fully, they've just put a lot of heart and soul and more importantly, resources into this. And I'm really proud of it. And I'm really proud of the fact that they're not upcharging, that they are selling these packs for the same prices as their other packs. And that's, it's honestly unheard of. Usually plus like plus size things are seen as special or unusual. And there's another fact that I want to share that is probably really surprising to a lot of people, especially in the outdoor uh, industry or outdoor culture is that, you know, many studies have shown that the average woman's size is a size 16 to 18. And so plus sizes are not Plus size people are not unusual. We are not outside of the norm. We are everywhere. And of course, there's going to be all of the like health debates and all of that thing. But like nobody's health is 
like another person's health is no one's business. Um, And, and I don't want to go down that road too much, but I just want to say, you know, this doesn't have to be a moral issue. We just deserve packs that fed us period. Jenny, one of the things I think though is, is so interesting and, and laudable with what you've done. Like, let's, let's back it up. And, and, you know, let's say that I was starting a backpack company. I was making backpacks, right? Well, if this is a business, I got to make money, right? And now we get into the forces of supply and demand. And if I'm a new business and I'm trying to make a go by selling backpacks and I'm like, well, who do I see in outdoor media representation? Who is my current customer? If I'm a business, I need to make money. I'm not a charity, right? So we start making packs a certain way and that's what we're doing. And guess what? If people like you don't come along and start things like Unlikely Hikers, what you've done is proven. You've shown, you've demonstrated that there are tons of people out there who would love to be doing these activities and participating. And so what you've done is now like, mate, you've shown it that these other companies, these outdoor companies, it's like there is a market here. Again, these businesses are not charities. We're not talking about we're not talking about charity here. We're like, yo, stop ignoring a massive part of the population that would love to be doing these things if you all designed better products for them. And with what you've done and the community that you've grown with Unlikely Hikers, this isn't some like, I don't know, maybe if we build it, they'll come. It's like, this is who we are, right? Like, we're here, we're out there. I think that's amazing. And, and so on the one hand, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think I can kind of understand why for-profit companies have made a certain type of gear a certain way, but you have made it so they can't ignore you know, and I, I don't even mean that in some like hostile way. It's just like you've shown them. You're just like, hi, this is who we are. There's a ton of folks out here. And it's like, oh, wow, there's a market. There's a new market. Let's so I, I think that is so cool. So amazing. I'm psyched to hear what you've been doing with Gregory and Merrill. I think this is only going to accelerate now. And it's like, you know what? When you're saying these companies are reaching out and wanting to work with you. They sure as hell weren't going to do that if you don't start on Likely Hikers. You just are some person on the street, right? Like, you're just like, why are they reaching out to you? It's like, well, because you bothered to put together this whole community. And I don't know. I love that. Sorry. Thank <laughs> that you. <was> so lengthy. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. And you honestly, you hit the nail on the head with a number of things. I mean, one thing that, you know, we are we are out here. You said those words. We're out here. And we are out here. We are using these products. So we are buying all of those products that are not designed for us. So they are already getting our money. What would happen if they started also making the gear for us that works for us? Guess what? We're going to spend more money. One thing that I think a lot of brands don't think about is because they don't, they maybe don't see us, even if we are out there, is that they you know, when they're not creating this stuff, it's sending a message that we don't belong. That's one thing. But also, they have to advertise it, you know, they have to create advertising for us. So 
say a brand starts making a plus size item, you know, like say clothing, that's the easiest one. If they don't advertise it, and plus size people are already accustomed to the fact that brand A doesn't make the plus size thing, why would we look for it? You know, like we're not necessarily going to go and assume that a brand has these things. So sometimes these brands try to make plus size stuff. They don't advertise them. They don't show plus size people in their feeds. So these things just kind of flop. But the truth is, is you, if you, if you advertise it, they will come, they they will throw their dollars at it. It will be amazing. So that's something that I think brands really need to think about is that we are worth investing in and we will be very profitable because there are so many of us. And you've already spoken well to the basic, and I'm 100% with you, everybody, part of being human beings, I mean, we have to get outside. We have to go on walks. We have to leave our apartments in the city and go look at the moon from time to time, or go appreciate a sunset, or look at the bird on the telephone pole wire, right? Like, this is inescapable. And we, and we know that when we take those moments, there are such positive mental benefits from that, physical benefits from, from that. And so, again, when I expressed my optimism about sort of the state of the world, I know that's weird. I know there's so many challenges in in modern life, but people like you, voices like yours, the community that you are growing and growing and growing, like this isn't going away. Like, thank God the outdoor industry is is kind of trending right now, I guess, you know, (laughs) I don't see that going away. There's more work to do. There is always more work to do, but, um, I don't know. These are really cool things. And uh, I, I just I love what you're doing. And I really I can't I can't sort of overstate that. I think if you weren't out here putting together the community, showing this stuff on social brands may have eventually gotten there. But man, you're accelerating the process. That's what I believe. Thank you so much for saying that. And I mean, really and truly, and I'm not being flippant. It really does pay to be loud on the internet and to say what you want and to rally behind it and, you know, build the community around the thing that you want to see. That is what Unlikely Hikers has been from the beginning is creating the thing that I wanted to see. And now that has bled out into creating the gear that we need to do the things that we want to do. and. I, yeah, like I really want to encourage people to always speak up for what they believe in. And, um, you know, I also want to say that I too am a very hopeful person. And even though I can be very discouraged often about the state of the world, about, uh, you know, the outdoor industry and things like that, I will say that I... I, 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 nothing is hopeless. Nothing is hopeless. And I believe that with enough people always speaking up for what they believe in, change is inevitable. And I see it happening too. It's happening slowly. There's also with change comes a reckoning of how much harm and damage 
has been done. So sometimes I think when people hear, uh, you know, people voicing their anger and discontent and, um, you know, with how things are, you know, at the same time, um, when we're talking about things that are actually changing, I think it's really hard for some people to hear. But the truth is, is that while things change, there also has to be a reckoning of how much damage has been done and how we can repair that damage. And um, it all exists together. So yes, let's keep looking forward. Um, let's keep creating the world that we want to see and being a part of that um, change, but also let's honor the pain and anger of others and how that has, and, and just the fact that it matters. I appreciate the conversation. I really hope this isn't our last conversation because uh, I'm certain that you're just going to keep this thing going and there's going to be a lot more to sort of be checking in on with you. And uh, there's more. do anything you want to tease for us or should uh i mean you you mentioned the podcast that's that's one new thing tell us a little bit about that our podcast started actually it started in march of 2020 as a way to connect us at the time of the pandemic and i did that solidly for about six months and then i took a hiatus because i am dealing with, like I said earlier, a lot of, of family strife. And, uh, so I needed a break, but I'm very happy to say that the podcast is coming back this month, May, 2021, and our group hikes are resuming as well. And you can look for those in the beginning of June. So there is a lot going on just with unlikely hikers, but, there's going to be more stuff as well. So you're going to want to pay attention to at unlikely hikers on Instagram to see many of our new announcements. Hey, it's a pleasure to talk with you. It's one of my favorite things is, and I, I get to do it a decent amount is talk with people that are kind of pioneering new paths. And, um, and that's precisely what you're doing. And so I applaud it. We're rooting for you. Look forward to uh, continuing the conversation. Best of luck with everything you got going on right now. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And this was a wonderful conversation. Thanks, Jenny. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. I want to say thanks to Jenny for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please be safe. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. Please keep moving forward. And we will talk to you again real soon.